Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and this is Cosmic Queries Edition, which I love. You love it too, because you all send us questions all the time. And I got with me Nagin Fassad. Nagin, welcome back. Hi, Neil. It's so good to be here. I uh, Welcome back. And you're still at it. You're still host of Fake the Nation, one of the best podcast titles ever. Uh, oh, thank you so much. I, yeah, I, we're still going hard at Fake the Nation. Fake the Nation. And I think you even extended me an invitation to return. I got to check oh my, my calendar. Yes. Let's yeah. see what happens there. <laughs> <laughs> and on the Cartoon Network, you, you're like, are you hosting a comedy festival? Did I, did I read that right? I'm a part of the Adult Swim Comedy Festival, and I'm just going to be doing some stand-up, and it's going to be really fun. Cool, cool. And I, told, I always thought it was odd that your profession is defined by whether you're standing or sitting. <laughs> is there sit-down comedy? Is <laughs> lay-down comedy? Like, what? No other profession are we all talking about, you know, whether your legs are straight or not. This is weird. Uh, yeah, this is it's one of the many uh, ways that comedians uh, define themselves. <laughs> yes. Just by various forms of li- ligament and uh, joint movement. Yeah, I- I'm going to be a stand-up astrophysicist. There you go. I, I have a colleague... Professor Annette Lee. Annette, welcome to Star Talk Cosmic Queries. Hello, happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And 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 so your expertise, um, well, you not only sort of have the astrophysics chops, but you also have a deep um a deep appreciation for art and culture. And not just any culture, but sort of indigenous cultures and their historical relationship and current relationship to the night sky. 
Have, have I encapsulated that accurately enough? Yes, and uh, I also just want to say that it's important for me to say um, a little introduction, which is mitakuye um, oyasen to all my relations, everyone here in this circle. Um, I greet you with a good heart. Um, my name's Annette Lee. I am mixed race Lakota, and um, I am here on the land we call Mani Sota Makoche, which is the land where the water reflects the sky. You are professor of astronomy in the Department of Physics at uh, St. Cloud State University. That's right. And 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 where is that? Uh, about an hour north of Minneapolis. Okay, because St. Cloud sounds like that's not of this earth. <laughs> <laughs> was where really is she? Look up. up for you. There she is, was... sitting on a cloud. <laughs> sitting on a cloud. So I find that to be a beautiful tradition to recognize the relationship of indigenous peoples to the land that you are occupying in any given time and place. And I've, I've been able to see some of that and even participate in some of it uh, in recent years during travels to, um, to Australia and to New Zealand. And even I was at, a, at an indigenously designated part of the Grand Canyon where we were filming part of Cosmos. And uh, it was just a, it's such it's a beautiful tradition. So thanks for bringing that to Star Talk. Yeah. So um, with that, I just want to say that this is the original territory of the Dakota and later Ojibwe people. So these are my communities. And it's really important to acknowledge both that history and this present relationship. And I think the thing that you're talking about is one of the most important points because like as astronomers, it's all about like looking at the stars and there are so many amazing you know, physical properties and mysteries as well that we do in the research area, you know, black holes, whatever. But um, in our indigenous knowledge systems, it's this idea that we are related to earth and sky. And we even in Lakota have a word for it. It's kapemini. And kapemini is as it is above, it is below. So it has to do with everything in the sky is reflected or mirrored on the earth and, and most importantly, we are a part of that because we come from the stars. We, we carry earth and sky within us as our bones are made of earth, our physical atoms, and then our spirits come from the stars. So this idea of earth and sky and our participation is embedded in, in so much of what we're talking about here. It's, it's just uh, not just in Lakota and First Nations uh, teachings, but also throughout all indigenous people. So when you said you were in Maori territory or in Australia, Aboriginal lands, um, it's exactly that. I've even heard this concept is in the Bible. So it's like throughout human history and throughout time, this idea that there's this relationship between the above and below and our participation, that's the key part, our participation in this cosmic mirroring. So back to you. Uh, Annette, so, so, wait, 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 that, that's our show right there. We're done. <laughs> Nagin, there's nothing you and I could say. <laughs> Let's go have a beer now because this, this <laughs> the earth, the sky, we're part of it. It's part of us. We're, Nagin, we're done. We should just shut up. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I just took ketamine. You know what I mean? Just while she was speaking, we just transported into another dimension. Also, Annette, you're really blowing my mind because I thought the first person to like look at the stars and and notice some stuff was some white guy in Europe. So you're telling me that might not be accurate from my teachings in elementary school. <laughs> 
Wait, so Nagin, you can add a chapter to your how to make white people laugh. Tell them, no, you weren't the first. <laughs> Apparently not the first, guys. Isn't that hilarious? You thought you were the first and you weren't. <laughs> so Annette, what does it mean precisely when I learn that you are director and founder of Native Skywatchers? What is that? So um, back in 2007, I started an organization where indigenous-led grassroots, um, and it's all about revitalizing our indigenous connection to the sky, which is sky and earth and our participation in it. And it started out with just our local Ojibwe and Dakota Lakota community um, knowledge holders and elders. And it was actually fueled by this amazing thing. So I'm also a planetarium director and um, I would be doing planetarium shows and just by nature, I'd be pointing out like, well, there's Leo the lion, but there's also the Ojibwe lion, Mashibaju. And it'd be like, isn't it cool that the Greek lion's head is the Ojibwe lion's tail? Like, what are the chances that anyone would see a lion anyways in that pattern of stars that looks like a backwards question mark? So I was pointing out these um, Ojibwe um, and Dakota Lakota connections. Wait, were you just being polite saying that it's their tail rather than it's the... It's their butt. (laughs) (laughs) No, because um, Mashibaju is called the Great Panther, but it's also called Curly Tail. And it's all okay, like the okay. cat, the mountain lion, which are indigenous. Okay. So they in just Minnesota. did turn the head into a butt. They have it. It's the has tail. It's a really okay, important okay. part. And there's all these stories about it. Anyway, so. Where but now we know oh, yeah. where Neil's head is. No, I, <laughs> you can bring that in. I have young kids that are boys. So they're always talking about butt and fort farts and all that. Anyway. Yeah, so yeah. I was in the planetarium and I'm just, you know, in the element, you know, you're in the dark, you're feeling the magic of the planetarium and pointing out these stars. And then afterwards, this teacher, Um, she was from a nearby reservation. So clearly, you know, at least half her class was visibly native. And she ran up to me after the show and was like, where did you get this? How do you find, how how do I get any resources? How do I find out anything about this? There's nothing available. And yet she told me um, the Minnesota State Science Standards had had um, one of their benchmarks was to bring in how um, people from all cultures have participated in science and in particular. So it was ripe for the plucking right Right, right? exactly. And so then with some NASA support, uh, we were able to do our first series of educator workshops. And we created star maps um, and then curriculum and planisphere. Just let me tell videos. people, NASA is, very, <laughs> NASA is very good at funding programs that train educators because that's the greatest leverage point you have in the, in the whole system of learning. So it's really delighted to hear that they, they, they took a role in this as well. So, sorry, I interrupted. Go on. Oh, well, no, it was great because at the time, embarrassingly, I didn't even know about these state standards. Um, and so when she told me this, I said, well, this is what I do. This is my community. This is my work. And, you know, come to the workshop. And and so really it was kind of like that, um, what do you call that, that perfect moment, like being the perfect place, per, perfect person Kismet. in the perfect place at the perfect time. The planets align. Yeah, yeah. Say it. Okay. <laughs> the planets align. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we started. And then since then, um, we've... Uh, wait, wait, just I want to make it clear. So, Nagin, because she's an actual astrophysicist, she knows yeah. the planets aligning is a meaningless reference. 
So I had to like pry it out of her and make her say it. <laughs> Didn't okay? want to say Just it. So oh, I you know. see. Okay. okay. That was astrophysicist inside jokes. Okay. Yeah, that's a subtext there. She I'm was not going to say it until I made her say it. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm happy to step outside the box. No problem. Anytime. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, we just kind of went on from there. And and now it's exploded um, with we have international partners and relationships and not just our Ojibwe, like local Ojibwe and Dakota Lakota. But we do that as well as national work. We work right now. We have a cohort for with Hawaiian at the Volcano School um, uh, with Maya, with um, uh, um, African-American down in Mexico, the Kamkak, um, it goes on and on. The Australian Aboriginal, I have Maori collaborators. So we are so excited to be global. Yep, excellent. So so what started as just a simple encounter became now this movement, which I think is, is brilliant and beautiful. So now you, I, I noticed from your resume, you also have an MFA in uh, fine arts. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. Um, I'm really so. Proud. So, how does that fold into your 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 work, your efforts here? Did you criticize the drawings of constellations? I could do better. <laughs> <laughs> I could do better than stick figures. Come on. <laughs> I do have a really high bar when it comes to visuals, but um, where it comes together is that I, I have been a practicing visual artist for. I mean, I can remember um, being in art shows and, and winning awards for art in, in grade school. Um, I've always loved art, but just like I've always loved math and uh, astronomy. People asked me what came first, and I said, well, that you know, you could say both because I was just born like this. Like, I always love the stars. I always love sitting under the stars. And I always loved, like, the analytics, the math, doing math. And I always, in science, and I've always loved doing art. And so, basically, um, to me, where it comes together is um, we've been doing a tremendous amount of video project productions and digital media. Um, and this has really taken off because, as with COVID, um, we got another NASA grant, and this project was called Two-Eyed Seeing. And this was just last year. And let me explain. This is called Etawaptamunk. Etawaptamunk is the Mi'kmaq word for two-eyed seeing, and this comes from my colleagues uh, over in Nova Scotia, Carol Anakwood and her elders. And basically it means to see with the best in one eye with the indigenous way of knowing, and to see with the best in the other eye the, with the Western science way of knowing. But the key part, to see with both eyes for the benefit of all. They call it the gift of multiple perspectives. Damn. I have an astigmatism in one eye. Where does that leave me? No, no, we leave you out. You're, you're not invited to that party. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> that means it's like slightly <laughs> off-centered. I think there's a place for that because everyone should be slightly off-centered. <laughs> well, wait, no, no, Nagin, the world is messed up enough. We can't have you and your astigmatism defining anything that comes out of you. Yeah, no, I, I would be, I'm the one be drawing those stick figures. <laughs> well, that's another beautiful concept. Thanks for sharing that. I just want to remind people this is a Cosmic Queries, and we took this topic out to our Patreon members who get exclusive access to this question and answer session. So and, and they get their questions. Everyone gets to hear it, but they get to ask the questions. So, Nagin, what, what, you have a first question. 
before. Yes, uh, Daniel Kulikowski, who's a fellow Minnesotan, uh, says, I'm wondering what your views are on the current state of light pollution around the world and any negative impacts it has on people's feelings and perceptions about the night sky. Ooh, well, that's a big topic. Let us take a break. And when we come back, we're going to find out what Annette has to say about pollution. Because in, astro in astronomy, light pollution is equivalent in the damage that it does to our access to the universe as air pollution is in its damage to our lungs. Is that too far? Did I go too far on that? Not at all. Not, not, not at all. There you enough. go. Okay. <laughs> not far <laughs> enough. See, Nikki, what can we do? What are we going to do with it then? <laughs> this is her show. She's going to be. <laughs> all right, Nat, we're gonna come, Annette, we're going to come right back to you right after this break. Sleep, grocery shopping, themselves, just a few things working moms seldom have time for. And during tax season, you can add taxes to their list. So for all you working moms, make the easy switch to H&R Block and have an expert make easy work of your taxes. H&R Block guarantees your taxes are 100% accurate and your max refund or your money back. Plus, with their no surprise guarantee, you'll always know the price of your tax prep before you begin. You can even have an H&R Block Tax Pro do your taxes in a block office or online from the comfort of your own home. Can your current tax guy promise all that? When you're buried under life's to-dos, let the experts at H&R Block stay on top of your taxes with a return that's right on the money and your biggest refund possible. Because tax season after tax season, it's better with Block. Make an appointment at hrblock.com. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. Limitations apply. Descriptions of benefits and details at hrblock.com slash guarantees. You know what shouldn't feel like rocket science? Planning a vacation your whole crew will love. With Carnival Cruise Line, it's all up to you. You can kick back or dive right into the fun. Paddleboard in the crystal clear waters of one of Carnival's exclusive destinations, Half Moon Key in the Bahamas. Take an ATV ride through the jungle or just relax on white sandy Caribbean beaches. The fun continues on ship from a ride on the Bolt roller coaster to a moment of pure bliss at the Cloud Nine Spa. Kick off the evening with a craft cocktail at any of Carnival's dazzling bars and lounges and take your pick of restaurants from surf and turf to family-style Italian. Then settle in for an evening of live entertainment. Whatever your vibe is, you'll come home with plenty of stories to tell. So pack those bags, be sure to leave room for a few unforgettable memories because no one does fun like Carnival. Book your dream vacation at Carnival.com. Ships Registry, The Bahamas and Panama. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. 
Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Hey, I'm Roy Hill Percival, and I support Star Talk on Patreon. Bringing the universe down to Earth, this is Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. We're back, Star Talk Cosmic Queries. We're talking about what the universe looks like to indigenous people. And it looks a little different from what you've probably been taught in school. And we've got one of the world's experts on that, uh, Professor Annette Lee at St. Cloud. So, Nogin, uh, we left off with a question about light pollution. And who's that from again? That's right. Daniel Kulikowski was asking um, about your views on the current state of light pollution around the world and if there's any negative impacts on people's feelings and perceptions about the night sky. Good. What do you have? So, yeah, with light pollution, um, I'm going to start there. I'm going to say, yes, I am very concerned about light pollution. I've done a lot of work with the International Dark Sky Association. And the idea is that um, from an indigenous uh, practice and way of life, uh, the, the sky and our connection with the sky, um, it's an essential. It's not an option. It's not an accessory. It's uh, the place where we come from. The stars are not just physical, distant, abstract balls of plasma or gas. Those are our relatives, our oldest living relatives. And, you know, we even have in Lakota, there's teachings that the the stars are the breath of the spirits, you know, so it's not, it's about like a, a family reunion. It's blocking that level of connection. And I want to say that so much of my work, it does have to do with the crisis in STEM education and, and bringing in more pathways for our black and brown indigenous students, but it's also about wellness because we we have a problem, right? If students don't have uh, a reason for living, if they're in so much pain and crisis and trauma that they're literally giving up on life, and I'm talking about the youth suicide statistics, which are sky high here in Minnesota, no no pun intended, but the, the rate is like three times higher for our native youth. And, you know, these are my kids, right? Um, and this is, our, our youth suicide rate is higher in Minnesota for Native kids than it is um, across the nation for Native kids. It's really high. There's disparities in the education system. Minnesota is always first, second, or third in the disparity in graduation rates between majority kids and minority kids. So back to the pollution. You, you, know, you thought it was about just pollution, but it's all connected. And the idea is that we have this teaching where we come from the stars. And this moment of our lifetime is just a blink. We're here in our material form, you know, but our original form is a spiritual form from the stars. And so we come here with purpose, right? Let me ask you, is, is it only light pollution? Because suppose Nagin does a stand-up thing and it comes on at night and I'm watching her instead of going out and looking up in the sky. Ooh. Isn't every distraction that 
exists in modern living that distracts us in the evening, isn't that tantamount to light pollution? You know, it's because we have HBO and Disney Plus and, and right. Netflix and all these things. I come home and I, my first thought is, let me binge something or let me watch a movie or let me watch Nagin uh, doing a stand up, <laughs> not a sit down, a stand up. Aren't, aren't you also competing with all the rest of these cultural forces? Yes, absolutely. We we are very distracted. We have very short attention spans. We're looking for the next fun thing. But the, there's something really important and fundamental about our connection to the stars. Um, and that there should be a place for that. There should be a kind of protection for that. I know that with the International Dark Sky Association, there we've you know created this uh, protection protected areas because we talk about the extinction, like the night sky is going extinct. And so you know here in Minnesota, wow. it's a luxury because we can drive you know five ten minutes and really see dark skies. We can really see. Uh, the Andromeda galaxy. We could really see the Northern Lights, right? I mean, you're in New York City. Wow, I really feel bad for you. But you have, <laughs> you have, the, planetar you have the planetarium, right? But yeah, we just, we just, we just, we just we uh, huddled together stars. in the planetarium dome and put up the fake. Aurora and the fake. Uh, that's what we'll, Can I just we'll say, in defense of myself, though, that my stand-up is not the enemy of the cosmos. If <laughs> anything, it's Squid Game. So let's just, um, like, you know, okay. note, note where popular culture is right now. Go on. Just blame something else <laughs> instead of yourself. Okay. Fine. Well, you know, Annette, I actually I grew up in the desert of Southern California in a town called Palm Springs, and they have very strict light pollution laws. So I live in New York City now where in my estimation we don't have stars um, but in Palm Springs we have a ton of stars. I grew up with uh, seeing a lot of stars, be stars because they were very serious about light pollution and keeping the with your astigmatism. very clear. They were with my astigmatism and I'd stars. often see them. There's <laughs> there's, two, there's two of everything if you look at it through my, through my eyes. Alright, let's get another question. Uh, okay, so Jay Hunt asks, I was wondering how indigenous tribes' constellations, identification, and sky tracking has changed over the centuries. What are some of the more famous constellations that have made it into the modern lexicon? Oh, interesting. So the changes over the ages, I think one of the biggest things to say about that is the idea of um, loss. Um, we've lost a lot of our star knowledge and our cultural knowledge and our languages because of colonization. In the star maps that we created, you know, working with elders and other primary sources, there's a lot of like blank spaces. And um, my in a new elder, Wilford Buck, um, he talks about the idea that, um, you know, before colonization, that map would have been filled up just like what we think of now as the Greek map, it would have been dense. You know, every single star and even the dimmer stars, there's constellations. But now we look at our constellations and there's there's some spaces. And that's part of that loss. So I think the first thing Annette, about- you're bumming us out here. How it's changed. <laughs> well, it's not all bad, but because, you know, it's not all gone. It's not too far gone. We have hope. We, ha we still have, you know, Wilfred says- you know, it would be like we still have that 15% left and we're rebuilding it, you know, but the 85% was lost due to colonization. So, 
anyways, I think that's like what comes to my mind in just, you know, a really honest way that even though a lot of people in history class and all, we learn that colonization, you know, back in the 1400s, the 1500s, the first most important thing is that we are still living living in the wake of that history and that event. So where we are today has everything to do with what happened, you know, 500 years ago. There's there's no denying that. And I think it's in, extremely important to acknowledge that. So that's why we're trying to build it back. Um, I'm working right now with Mi'kmaq um, elders and knowledge holders, and we're in the process of creating their star map. So like I said, there's a lot of hope here too. I don't want to be like all negative, but also we have to be honest, you know, that that this is happening and it's a part of where we are today. So back to the question, one of the things I go to is the Big Dipper because the Big Dipper is so popular. You know, it's something that everyone in here in the Northern Hemisphere kind of knows those uh, seven bright stars. And so like, for example, um, we think of Ursa Major um, through the so-called Greek um, uh constellations or asterisms, the nicknames for the stars, you know, the Big Dipper. And um, we also have a lot of uh, teachings there, like one from the Inanu is a bear as well, but it faces in the opposite direction. So just like I was saying, like with the curly tail and the Ojibwe mountain lion, we have the same lion with the Greek, where the Greek Leo the lion is. We have other teachings with the bear. Um, and the bear for us is more to do with um, like a medicine. Um, and also the bear has to do with, um, it's one of the only animals that's two-legged. So there's a really important story that has to do with like people, because we're two-legged, right? So there's like the winged ones, the ones that crawl, there's the four-legged, you know, like mammals and, you know, dogs. and uh, But then there's a the two-legged. And so we're the two-legged, but see the bear is kind of one of those animals that's also sometimes two-legged. But this is the key point the the two-legged represent and bring wisdom. So the bear has wisdom and we as humans have wisdom. So that's kind of like what we bring like to the whole circle. And I think that's mm. really important because it's because we have our wisdom and we have our strong critical minds that we can get out of, um, you know, these uh, situations that we're in right now, that there is so much hope, you know, that we can create a better future. And that's why we're here talking about it, right? So ultimately, it is totally an optimistic and um, let's let's create something better for our kids. You know, let's, let's address uh, some of the crisis. Yeah, go ahead. Interesting you say this. I have a stupid observation to share with you. If you go to circus acts and you see dogs performing, the dog that is typically walking on two legs more than other breeds of dogs is the poodle. You ever notice that? The, the poodle is walking on its two hind legs more often than other breeds of dogs. And they say that the poodle is the smartest among the dogs. So you were talking about wisdom among the two-legged walkers. I just was wondering. I haven't had any interaction with poodles or circus like that, but I think that's a brilliant connection. Wow. Yeah, poodles do not chase their tail. That is, this is a non-thing for poodles, for example. My, my thought about the, the bears is that they're a, a crossover category on the two-legged and the four-legged, sort of like when Justin Bieber started singing in Spanish and he became a crossover oh, hit artist. Oh. That's that's a, that's probably a better analogy than my poodle. <laughs> <laughs> Although I would say, Neil, we both sort of failed. <laughs> yeah, and one other thing, uh, Nagin, maybe, maybe you don't know this, but the Greek rendering of Ursa Major 
is a big chubby bear with a big bushy tail, but bears don't have tails. They don't have big bushy tails. So it's, 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 it's an anatomically forced addition to the species simply because they were connecting the dots. Ooh, it's like early animation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're just like <laughs> exaggerating, making it up. Yeah, I, I mean, they, they do have tails, but they're nubby, stubby things that are barely even uh, visible in the dense density of their hair. So, yeah, Annette, what do you, what do natives do with with the bear's existence or non-existence of a tail? Um, you know, that's a good question. I haven't heard any, you know, cute stories about the. Um, I know in the planetarium, there's a typical story about how the bear. Uh, got the lake, its tail frozen in the lake. Um, then there's the other funny story about how uh, Well, just to be, just to finish that, it, 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 I think it was given some food and it turned around, it got a fish out of the lake and then it took too long to eat it and the tail froze in the lake and then it stepped away and the tail broke off. And so the early bears have tails, but the later ones don't. And so, or, and that's a really tall tale. A Zeus came um, swooping down to save the bears from Hera. And so he grabbed the bears by the only thing he could, their short tails, and swung them around to get enough momentum to, you know, whiz them up into the cosmos. And then that stretched out their tails. So anyways, those are those silly planetarium um, tales that we tell about the bears' tails. Um, many of those constellations that we think of as the Greek mainstream type constellations actually were borrowed from the Babylonians. So um, you probably know that, Neil. I don't know if you've come across that, but especially the Zodiac constellations. Yeah, Babylonians are deep in there, and yeah. somehow there's a there's a there's some kind of smokescreen where the real influence of, ba of, of of ancient you know the ancient peoples of Babylon don't make it through. And we just, it stops at Greece, but half of that is, that's right. From my right. understanding, it has to do with, you know, the, the Greeks, the Babylonians and the Egyptians right there along the Mediterranean Sea. So there was a lot of, you know, sharing and mixing and warring and everything. Um, but yeah, you're right that it actually ended up just being labeled. Now we think of it, oh, that comes from the Greek tradition, but there's so much more to the story. Um, and I think that that's really I think important. the Babylonians gave us base 60, which is, which is our, oh, yeah. the, the whole time, foundation the of our timekeeping. Yeah, 60 yeah. seconds, yeah. Uh, 60 minutes in an hour. And then also mm -hmm. the Egyptians brought in the idea of the 12, the 12-hour 12 days with the sun going across and then down into the underworld. So there's a lot of like cultural stories and, and knowledges here embedded, even in just, we can just scratch the surface. And then there's, it's so much more interesting than, you know, what we originally think of it just coming from one culture. Yeah, of course. Okay, also, back to you. I think, the Egyptians, I think <laughs> the Egyptians also gave us beer so you could get drunk and look at stars. So there's <laughs> that right. That, okay. Just get credit where credit is due. <laughs> okay. okay, so Matt Harefield um, has a question that requires a little bit of visualization. If the moon was not tidally locked with the Earth and instead rotated at some observable rate, making it more obviously a three-dimensional object, how do you think that would have changed the way ancient humans perceived the cosmos? Mm. So that implies that people thought the moon was just a flat disk um, because it always just showed one side. I hadn't thought about that. Annette, what, what does your research tell you about the moon? Whoa, that's a deep question. Let me think. Uh, well, the moon, I guess off the top of my head, the thing is I, I don't feel that it would change a great deal 
um, the indigenous um, teachings that I'm familiar with. And, you know, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but because the, the teachings um, with the moon, it's all about relationships. And in a way, it doesn't matter. Like, it's almost like that's like a technicality. Like, mm, you know, if it's 2D or 3D or whatever, I mean, okay, yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. But that's more like a geometrical fact. I think what's more important is that the grandmother moon is seen as um, a relative, a close relative, as helping us, as connected with um, timekeeping and connected with the, what we call uh, Turtle Island. So here in North America, you know, this is Turtle Island. There's a lot of stories about um, this being connected with the turtle. And the turtle has 28 large sections on the back. So that's connected with the moon. Um, and so the turtle also is important having to do with like the beginning of life, which also connects with the moon. You know, we think the idea of having a large moon close in um, was helpful for the, you know, helping to like nurture life. Um, and also that it created the tides. So the tides helped the, the the life that was existing on the earth for so long, only in the ocean, came out of the ocean onto the land, right? And it just happened more recently. But this was, had to do with the, the tides and the moon is one of the main sources of the tides. So these are like deeper connections that have to do with the turtle, the moon, the life on earth. And I think that that is a way... Uh, more important, the moon also has to do with heartbeat um, because of the changing phases of light and darks. Makes If you watch it in fast motion, it, it feels and looks just like an, a heartbeat. So it has to do with uh, our, our human heartbeat too and the drum. I would add that it would be hard to explain a flat disc model given the curve of the shadowing as the moon goes through its crescent phase. You know, spheres will give you that that kind of light pattern on it, um, not flat disks. So, um, yeah, interesting, interesting there. We got to take another break. And when we do, Annette, with your permission, can we go into a lightning round? Uh, in, sure. That means you have that? to answer questions in five seconds. <laughs> it enables us to get through more questions than we otherwise would because it's quite luxurious to give the full hammer of your breadth of knowledge to each of these questions. Okay, lightning. But yeah, I'm going with the flow. I'll, I'll try you it think out. You can I've it. never done lightning. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 <laughs> it's different. <laughs> and again, you have lightning questions lined up? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. When we come back, Nagin <laughs> will send lightning bolts in a net direction on Star Talk Cosmic Queries. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You saw the potential. And through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We're back, Star Talk, Cosmic Queries. We're talking about what the sky looks like to people who are not white. (laughs) Do I characterize that correctly? We have a special guest here who is a world expert on this very topic, Annette Lee from St. Cloud University, just north of Minneapolis. So we're in the middle of some Cosmic Queries with her. And Nagin Farsad is now going to take us into the lightning rod with her. But before we do that, just because this is our last segment, Nagin, tell us how we find you on social on social media. Ooh, you can find me at Nagin Farsad on Instagram, on Twitter, even on TikTok. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Guys, don't worry. I don't dance on it. So okay. I, I, I All right. saved and, you from that. And how about uh, Annette, how do we find you on the in the social universe? I don't even know what TikTok is. So um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, just try email, nativeskywatchers at gmail.com. Oh, okay. All right. Is there a website? Yeah, the website, the website, nativeskywatchers.org, nativeskywatchers.com. Oh, we got lots of cool projects um, that'll cool, make up cool. for not That's being where, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all that. That's where we'll find your all your activities. Very excellent. Okay. Nagin, throw some lightning bolts at Annette. See how many of these questions okay. we can get through. Here we go. Donna Palmieri asks, are there any astronomical discoveries made by Western scientists that indigenous people of North America had already known? So when it was announced, the indigenous community was like, oh yeah, we knew that a while ago. Where have you been? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What's what's the best example of this? Some people notice the sun, how it goes from east to west and higher or lower. And there's a beautiful pattern with the sun if you watch it throughout the year. But um, what about the moon? Did you ever notice the moon has a pattern of where it rises, where it sets, how low, how high? And so this moon um, rising and setting pattern is a really another beautiful dance that is done in relation to the sun. Well, so anyways, um, it's kind of complicated, but basically I remember learning about it. And then one day I was talking to an Ojibwe elder and he was like, oh yeah, Um, short shadows uh, walking home snowshoeing short short shadows. So what he was talking about is in the middle of winter when they're snowshoeing across a frozen lake, okay, like up in Canada, and in the, at midnight, the, mo- the moon's out. But the moon has a really high path across the sky in the middle of winter because it's opposite the sun. 
So the sun is low in the winter. The moon is really high. Are you still with me? Oh, all there. Go on. And the moon is really high. So when you're walking on your snowshoes across a frozen lake and it's 40 below, then there's going to be a really short shadow because the moon is basically directly overhead or mm-hmm. close to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So something that most like whatever mainstream or Western scientists uh, folks don't even know about the path of the moon and the height of the moon in a, in a seasonal pattern it's not necessarily even taught in typical Astro 101 classes or, you know, any level. But this was like a everyday common, like, you know, yeah, like, duh. Yeah, short shadows um, in the winter, right? Snow and this is the benefit of simply paying attention to what's going on in the sky <laughs> and, and what's going on around you. Right, right. Okay, so now we have to dock 90 seconds for the next question. <laughs> I only said right. I would give it a try. But okay, thanks for helping me. give her another one. <laughs> try. Slap I'll her try. with another one. Go. Robert Bratcher asks, how has science education changed over the last decade? And how will it continue to change to keep children and teens interested in what they're learning, furthering their thirst for scientific discovery in all aspects of the science fields? Mm. So how has it changed? Okay, so it's changed by what what used to be the lecture model, the standard model, as the teachers like all-knowing and the students as blank slates. Well, all the research shows that doesn't work, right? And so this idea of active learning, and then my research and other folks in the area of astronomy education research, the idea that we can bring culture and our humanity back into learning science and we can have students learn more science and be more engaged. And then the other idea is this idea of like STEM identity and science identity, that it's not enough just to know the facts or to be good enough to know the facts because we have half of those kids are dropping out at the college level out of STEM. And what we need to do is to create a welcoming community. When you say dropping out, you mean switching majors they're switchers. to something else. They're switchers. Right, switchers. right. Yeah. so they're dropping they're, out. So they're not dropping down. out of school. It's switching yeah. their focus. We have a recruitment right. problem. And then on top of that, we have a retention problem um, because they're switching. Even the A and B students are switching out of STEM. And so we talk about the psychology. A lot of the research now in STEM education has to do with the psychology. Like, hey, well, why would they be dropping out? It's because they don't feel a sense of community. It's because they don't see themselves as a STEM professional. And so creating opportunities and professional uh, pathways where they can be like rubbing elbows with NASA scientists or, you know, world-class, working on world-class telescopes at the high school or even elementary level. So it's becoming more of a holistic experience as as an educator and as a student. In a word, holistic and also um, bringing in more of our humanity, like that we don't have, if we're going to do science, we don't have to be robots. We don't have to be machines. I mean, we can we can multitask, right, Najin? <laughs> We're good at multitasking, so we can we don't have to like pretend like we don't have hearts or we're not you know we don't have bias. We could just say yeah, but we're going to practice the methods of science as best we can, but still admit that we're still human beings and there's still culture happening as a part of this. Got it. Got it. All right. You still failed the 10-second rule there, but go on. She's getting a little better, maybe. Okay, this next one, you have to say in negative three seconds. (laughs) Um, Robert Weaver asks, what is your favorite observation of the night sky that can be seen without the assistance of a telescope? Mm. I like that one. Oh, I love looking at the night sky without a telescope. There's so many 
how many how am I going to fit this in a negative three seconds? No, you're just going to give the best thing. Uh, the Pleiades. Um, the Pleiades is known as the Bhaganagijik. Try to say that. Bhaganagijik. And that's an Ojib- yep. Ojibwe word for um, the hole in the sky. So it's a kind of a doorway, a, a, a star doorway between the, the physical plane and the spiritual plane, Bhaganagijik. Um, so I can just leave you hanging there, but I love to see the Pleiades. Wow. And I'm sure you know if you look to By the, the way, side, ab- Aboriginal art in, in oh, Australia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've looked. I looked at a lot of what they portrayed, and the Pleiades are in practically every illustration. In Maori, in Maori, yeah. Throughout yeah, human yeah. history, that's probably the number one go-to where all the cultures have some amazing teachings related to the Pleiades. And then when you, I love to look to the side, and then you can use your averted vision, your uh, your rods instead of your cones, and then you see it just pop. You have to do that, right, Najin? You've done that, right? It pops. She's got astigmatism. It's, We're no, not talking to her. I have astigmatism. Yeah. It doesn't matter if your eye's off center. You can you can still do it. You just, you just look, instead of looking directly at it, you look to the side and you're using your rods instead of your cones and it just gets brighter. It's total magic. You gotta try it. I feel I feel so uh, I feel so naked that you you're referring to my rods and cones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel bonded with you because I think I this have is a, a little bit of an R-rated podcast. Suddenly, <laughs> <laughs> I think I have that too a little bit in one eye. So I don't I don't feel like that's a, a deal breaker at all. There's so much magic and uh, cool stuff when we look at the sky, you know, and that's one of the things I love. You can do it with the Andromeda Galaxy too. Excellent. In fact, just to just to be formal about that, the Andromeda Galaxy is the single farthest object visible to the unaided human eye in the sky. It's two million light years away, so it's the farthest object. But cool, Nagin, keep them coming. Okay, here we go. Adventurer asks, uh, please tell me your. That way, that's the person's the- name. Is that allowed? Ad- ad- adventurer spelled <laughs> with a Y instead of an E. Um, okay. Please tell me your thoughts on the commonalities and differences in cosmology, astrology, astrophysics, and astronomy. And yes, line dancers love Star Talk too. We even have a line dance called Mars Needs Women. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Answer that in five seconds. <laughs> yeah, the commonalities and differences between all of these things. Holy! Well, I, you know, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna recast that question. Please. I'm, I'm just gonna recast it. Annette, you've studied cultures, indigenous cultures that are hugely geographically separated. Presumably, they each have an origin story for the universe, or for their culture, or for people, or for the earth. Is there something that you can cite that they all have in common and something that is especially different about them? Whoa, in five seconds? I'll give you 10 seconds. Um, Okay, one thing that's common is the idea that um, the earth is very old and that humans are very new. And that there's like this been different versions of life on earth. Like in science, we have just, you know, the... Here was humanity, you know, evolution, right? But in indigenous knowledges, there's basically the story is a lot more interesting and complex that there were different versions of um, humans being on earth and then destruction happening um, where it is, it started anew. Um, like in Lakota, like I was talking about the bear, um, the mato is the bear. And this idea that humans humans kind of got out of balance and then their earth did this like 
resetting where it, it shook and there was disaster and flooding and fires. And then we got another chance. And so this is our second chance. So anyways, it's the idea that the earth is much older and much more to the story than just one one version of humanity, I guess is okay, cool. the short answer. <laughs> cool. and, and I guess the, the biblical correspondence to that would be Noah's flood. Yeah. Because it, yeah. people existed before that and after it. And so there's, you know, antediluvian and post-diluvian stories about humans. Yeah, so there's a lot of teachings I can think of too. Like it has to do with you know before we got to the time we're in now, and and like the relationship between humans and animals. Like one thing that's really cool is the idea that humans and animals could talk to each other, um, not in the nonverbal language like we think of today, like horse whispering or something like that, but like they literally talk to each other. But then things got out of balance and things got too chaotic, and so then there was this period of like destruction, and then started anew with like new. Um, new rules and regulations and, and order. My, I have to say, my Pomeranian and I had a really nice chat this morning. So uh, <laughs> it was mostly about what? treats, um, but I feel like he still does some talking. You have let, a Pomeranian? Uh, let your elders know. I have you, a Pomeranian. You never told me that. Okay. Oh, yeah. We'd, we'd have a different a relationship fan, had Neil. I known that from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> That's a small dog, right? Yes, it's, it's, so, dog. It, it's, it's more hair than body. And it's about this, it's no bigger than like half of a basketball. And I, I have one of the larger ones. You know, <laughs> ten, half, <laughs> 10 pounds. It, I it, do. It, the Pomeranian is embarrassingly cute. That's, it's, it's just, yeah. it's too, it's, no animal should be that cute. And it is. And it, it is. knows it. Yeah. And so it's, it's some, I just think if I were a wolf, I would just feel so bad that they took my DNA and made that thing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I if I looked into the night sky, I think I would see many Pomeranians. Like I would probably mostly see Pomeranians <laughs> in the night sky. <laughs> That's so funny. Pomeranian Neil's major trained. and Pomeranian minor. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> Neil talked about a poodle, and Nagin talked about a Pomeranian. And Pomeranian. Yeah, exactly. I used to have a wolf star. <laughs> Wolf dog. See, that's a little better. That's a little more <laughs> true to the roots. And back- uh, let's slip in yeah. one more question. Okay. And, and Annette, and you got to give me only 10 seconds, Annette. Okay, go. I'll try. Uh, yeah, here we go. George Towner asks, how did the indigenous peoples of North America create kivas that capture the rising sun on the spring and fall equinox? An example being Chaco Canyon in New Mexico. Ooh, somebody's been around. Somebody's doing some homework. All right, Annette, what do, you, what's, what do you have to say about that? Holy smokes. Well, like, down in the Southwest, those are my collaborators, Nancy Maryboy and David Begay. They are the go-to to talk to their um, Navajo Diné, and they can talk about the Pueblo and the Diné connections and the Chaco Canyon. I mean, so— And by the way, so in your in your website, the, the, the Skywatcher website, um, do we have reference to all of your other collaborators there and some of their work as well? Yeah, yeah, you can see that in the Two-Eyed Seeing Project. You can see the video recordings live stream. And we had our Indigenous knowledge holders working with students, Indigenous students, and their teachers, and they created content related to, you know, this Indigenous astronomy and NASA science and what was most meaningful to them. So I would highly recommend you go and and check that out. You might spend a little more time than you were thinking in that because there's a lot of content. As it should be. If you did the 
if you did the site right, that's what should be happening to people, all right? They'll get lost in it, lost in a very good way. So we've got to call it quits there. Uh, Ned, it's been great to have you on this and, and to meet a fellow planetarian. And uh, we'll find some other excuse to get you back on. And we'll talk planetarium smack. Don't we'll forget poodles and pomeraniums. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for and changing the, the show to dog talk is what we're changing. Uh, yeah, to. there you go. <laughs> there you go. I've never laughed so much um, on a on a uh, a live stream, a, a radio show. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> It was fun. And, and, and Nagin, always good to have you as a co-host. My gosh. Now, I'm going to so look for you for me, on, on, on the Cartoon Network. And yes. uh, I, I look forward to that. Yes. Thanks, Neil. All right. We're good here. So, uh, again, thanks again. I, I, I enjoyed this, uh, this show. There's so much to learn and know about peoples of the world that aren't always the ones that are in your face telling you what they think you should know. It takes a little effort, and it's richly rewarded. And I'm glad we have... Uh, folks, uh, and that folks like you who are just in there getting the job done and taking names. So uh, thanks for what you do, what you bring to the world, and for being a guest on Star Talk. Uh, I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and as always, I give you to keep looking up. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus Trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 